Posting Up is sponsored by Zeal. Want to know the only thing better than getting a massage? Try getting a massage in the comfort of your own home. Introducing Zeal. Hello and welcome to Posting Up, the Washington Post NBA podcast. I'm your host, Tim Bontemps, National NBA writer for the Washington Post. And big day for the Posting Up podcast today. First first podcast recorded at the new studio in our offices in San Francisco. Pretty psyched about that. And first podcast with more than one guest, which is also exciting. Got uh, got my pals Adam Himmelsbach from the Boston Globe and Jay King from The Athletic, uh, now in Boston. Uh, one of 8,000 people I know that now works for The Athletic over the past few months. Uh, and figured now that uh, the Celtics have no high pick in the draft and haven't played for three weeks, that it'd be a good time to talk to these guys. So, uh, fellas, what uh, what's happening? And thanks for doing the pod. I'm just honored to be on the first tripod, man. I'm just excited to try to talk over Jay for the next half hour. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be fun to uh, to see how that goes. Uh, all right, so the last couple of years, you guys have been in a weird position because you have been – covering a team that's been in the postseason all the way to the end and then has had a top three pick in the draft. You know, last year obviously makes the trade to go down to third. Uh, this year, um, you know, traded the pick for Kyrie Irving, so that's only the pick at the end of the first round. Uh, is it How much different has the run-up to the draft been given um, given the way that, that things have played out? And it isn't quite the same, you know, setup as having a – a top five pick like you guys have been dealing with the last couple of years. I'll start with you, Adam, I guess, since I have to go back and forth now, I've realized. Oh, I wanted to do the talk over. Like, whoever <laughs> got, in, in Celtics media, we have so many reporters, like the shout down is a big thing where we all like say the question at the same time and whoever just shouts it loudest succeeds. <laughs> we'll do that. But yeah, no, it's way, it's way different. We've been to a grand total of one draft workout at the facility, which is way less than usual. Of course they've had, a lot more they're bringing in they are bringing in austin ainge the director of player personnel told me they're they brought in a few fewer guys than they did at this point last year but they're still bringing in tons of guys but in terms of like media access we went to like a grayson allen dang session uh and there just really isn't you know jay can speak to this there isn't a ton of draft buzz right now because when you have one pick like not only tim did they have the three and the one the one that they traded they also had like six picks in each of the last three drafts right you know so in addition to one high one, they just, they just like loaded throughout the draft. There's been a lot of questions about what they would do with those picks. So, yeah, having one at 27 and that's it is certainly very unusual for them. Yeah, it's weird because, I mean, last year at this time, everyone was super excited about adding Markel Fultz to the mix and wondering whether Markel Fultz could play with Isaiah Thomas. And then, lo and, and behold, then neither one of them played for them the next season. <laughs> yeah, amazingly. Obviously, yep. <laughs> Fultz, they traded away the, the pick that became Fultz, and Isaiah got got traded as well. But yeah, there, there's so much less buzz around the draft. Um, I mean, from from a standpoint of coverage, it's it's totally totally different without the the top three draft pick. Now it's interesting. I I've been paying attention to that back part of the draft a lot because um, this year's draft is weird to me because uh, like you guys cover a team that's really invested in being as switchable as possible, right? Having all these guys that are all kind of the same size, like basically from one to four, 
can basically have everybody kind of interchange positions. And, like, those wing players and the guards have become really important pieces, right? And like, bigs aren't that important. Well, the top of this draft, you have five of the top six picks maybe are going to be centers, which is weird. Um, and at the back of the draft where teams like uh, Golden State and Boston and Philly um, are all picking, there are a ton of wing players that I think can step in and play right away. You guys mentioned Grayson Allen. Um, there's kid Chandler Hutchinson from Boise State. This kid Jacob Evans from Cincinnati. Um, Dante DiVincenzo from Villanova. Like, there's a bunch of these guard slash wing guys that I think will really be able to help these teams a lot. And there's even a few others I didn't mention. Um, so, I, I mean, I, I know you guys haven't had a ton of time with uh, the Celtics, given the way they've handled things. But do you guys expect them to go kind of that guard wing route again? Or is it a best player available situation? Or, like, kind of how – how do you guys assess um, what their what their draft might look like, uh, just based off of kind of what it seems like that it's going to shake out from from a talent standpoint? Go ahead, Jay. I'll take I'll take this one. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I was letting I you talk over each take... other. Come on now, it's terrible. <laughs> I think they'll they'll always take. Oh, I was going to take that no matter what. <laughs> uh, I I think they they'll always take the best player available. I think obviously they put a premium on wings. I mean, you could tell just the way their entire roster has been assembled from going after Gordon Hayward, drafting Jalen Brown, drafting Jason Tatum, even picks later in the draft, Abdul Nader, Jim Like, they, they want to be as switchable. They want to be as versatile as possible. If there's a guy like that late in the first round, cool. But at the same time, those guys are super. If a guy type of off like that, like like you think of, of a lot of theoretical switching that kind of job. You think of like the Terrence Ferguson types, the Pat McCaw types. Those guys, I still think both those guys have potential, but it's like there are reasons that they fall to that stage, yep. and they're they're not like the Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum's of the world, where they can come in and help pretty much right away a really good team. Those guys have have holes, and so it'll be interesting. I mean. Celtics don't really have a lot of roster flaws at this point. Like they're pretty deep, pretty loaded at every position. Especially if you know Aaron Baines comes back and they agree to retain Marcus Smart. Uh, obviously, anything could happen with those guys. But there's just not a lot of need right now on the current roster. And I think, as speaking to that, it wouldn't surprise. Like it's easy to be like, oh, here's five guys the Celtics might select at 27. I would be just, uh, or you know. I would say it's just as likely that they end up not taking the 27th pick or they, they take a guy to draft and stash overseas. Or they, you know, you never know with Danny Ainge. Like I have been saying to people all week, like it wouldn't stun me. I haven't gotten a sense of this, but it wouldn't stun me if there's a guy he really likes at the top of the draft that he's ready to open up his boatload of picks to move up again and get. Uh, it wouldn't stun me if they, he trades out, you know, and kind of trades out and picks up a second round pick and another second round pick some other time or something like that. But Danny, you just never know. So I, I wouldn't, if I, you know, if you're a Celtics fan, I wouldn't sit back and be so certain that they'll hold on to 27 and make that choice and have that be their only thing to do all night. Yeah, that I was mean, a nice. That was a nice addition to my answer. I like that. No problem, man. Well, you talked so long, I, I couldn't talk about the <laughs> <laughs> Um, it, when you when you you know you mentioned Jay the depth of the roster and and uh, you know this kind of goes to what you were saying, Adam. You know, Danny has not been. 
afraid to make bold moves in the past. You know, you you mentioned, you know, black just last summer he trades down and gets Jason Tatum, which right now certainly looks like a great trade that we'll see if uh um we'll see if uh you know how that shakes out in the future if Fultz can can get healthy uh and, and get back to what he looked like he was going to be. Um and you know then you have the Isaiah Thomas or Kyrie Irving trade uh that happened later in the summer. And I wrote a column as part of my like end of the season series on teams that are out of the playoffs uh, on Wednesday, recording this Thursday night, um, kind of looking at the future for the Celtics and specifically the amount of money they're going to have to spend to try to keep this team together. And, I mean, basically, they have five guys that are going to be max-worthy players. You know, assuming Gordon Hayward is healthy. You've got Gordon Hayward, Al Horford, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Kyrie Irving, who all are going to be in the next three years uh, starting next summer needing to get max contracts in theory to stay with the team. Um, and there's, that's not really tenable. Uh, even with all the young guys that the Celtics have, having to try to spend that much money to keep this team together just isn't going to make sense. I mean, you look at Golden State, they, they have a cash cow of an arena. They're moving into a, an even bigger cash cow. And they have four guys that, like, if they all sign maxes, who probably are better even than what you probably hope for the, the Celtics guys to max out at um, as a group, you know, they probably can't afford to sign all four of those guys. Um, so signing five guys, this doesn't really seem possible. And because of that, and I mean, you guys just talked to Kyrie the other day and the fact that he understandably doesn't want to talk about an extension this summer because it would cost him about $80 million. Um, I kind of posited that I wonder if there's going to be a similar situation that plays out this summer where if the right deal comes along with Danny Ainge consider doing with Kyrie what he did with Isaiah Thomas a year ago um, and moving on from you know, a point guard who is really talented, even more talented than Isaiah, but has had some injury issues. So I guess it's kind of a broad question. Um, how do you guys see this kind of roster situation shaking out over the next couple of years? Do you expect uh, that Ainge will try to pull the trigger on a big trade like that? Do you think that they'll just kind of let it play out and see, um, you know, whether Kyrie comes back healthy, whether Hayward comes back healthy, uh, you know, whether some of this stuff kind of sorts itself out. Um, you know, what is what is kind of your best guess as to um, the way the Celtics are going to move forward? And you, I mean, you even mentioned, Jay, you know, guys like Aaron Baines and Marcus Smart are key free agents for them this summer. I mean, they have a lot of decisions to make. Um, it's, it's a good position to be in because of how much talent they have, but it does leave them with a lot of tough choices to make in terms of how they're going to build this roster out and keep this group together. If you enjoy this podcast and are interested in learning more about the NBA, you can get my weekly NBA newsletter, the Monday Morning Post-Up, delivered right to your inbox every Monday morning at 8 a.m. To do so, please go to wapo.st slash newsletter to subscribe. You'll get an original column from me, links to my work from the past week, links to work from both my colleagues at the Washington Post and other writers from around the web about the league, a viewing guide for the week ahead, and some dining and pop culture recommendations. Again, to subscribe to the Monday Morning Post-Up, please go to wapo.st slash post-up newsletter and start your week off right with everything you need to know about the NBA. Go My ahead, turn, yeah, you got this, man. Let's, let's just alternate. You, just, just, you, guys, you guys wanted to do the shout-over, and then you <laughs> failed to do it, so I'm very disappointed. We've- 
We we're respect, far we're, more we're not actually the big shouters. Like they're, they're our <laughs> Gee, shouters. I'm surprised you would say that. I can't imagine Within why. Our scrum. Within our scrum, <laughs> there are shouters, but we generally just like sit back and shake our head, SMH at the shouters. <laughs> but the, the only thing I'd say, is, you know, the one thing is Horford at this point has two years left, so there is some kind of the timeline stuff. Now, where, now I will say he has an option for uh, 1920. Yeah, uh, to me, if he plays like this again, he's got to opt out, right? I don't know. Because I would, yeah, if he no, plays, if he plays like, like this, thirty-three at that point, right? Because to me, if he plays like he did this year again, there's going to be teams lining up to pay him next summer, even though he is thirty-three. Because how many guys in the league are like him? Yeah, yeah. And look I mean, at, and, and yeah. to me, that the thing with the Celtics that makes it interesting is of their three veteran guys, I feel like he is the one they're going to have the, the hardest time replacing. Well, he does stuff that none of like a lot of other guys have a lot of similarities. He does a lot of things that none of the other guys right. do. Right. Uh, he is a very unique player. Right. But I think they're, it's weird. Like, they have a sense, like, they, they ultimately kind of build around Tatum and Jalen Brown. And, like, you kind of, even though you're building this really good team that really could challenge the Warriors maybe next year, I feel like they're still, like, not at the Warriors level and they're kind of aware of that. And they still have this kind of second timeline thing working where you got to remember, like, they have this Kings pick you mentioned that could easily be a top five pick next year. They have, a pick they could get from the Grizzlies next year. You know, I think it's top eight protected next season. Uh, you know, they got picked from the Clippers coming. Like, they have this second timeline that they can, if they want, I think, like, they've considered it, is kind of building around, like, these two guys that could be superstars. Like, Jason Tatum could legit be an absolute superstar. Yep. I think Jalen Brown's the kind of guy that could be, like, a multi-year all-star ultimately. It's kind of like the Warriors effect, really, I think, will play into some of the decisions that they make. Yeah, and, and to, to that point, like, you look at the Celtics, and as good as they are, as talented as they are, how many teams have won a title without a true superstar? And I know Kyrie Irving's great, and I know Al Horford's great, and I know Gordon Hayward's great, but you look at you look at history, really, there aren't many teams that have won without that upper echelon guy. The only one you can now, argue, really, in the past, what, 40 years, going back to, like, 1980, is the Pistons. And they had, like, four super high-level guys that were all, you know, legit all-stars in their primes at the time. Yeah, so I think it'll be interesting to see whether they think Tatum will emerge as that and kind of roll with him and, like you said, maybe – go with a second timeline they can still try to compete in the meantime um but then there's also like Kawhi's out there and if LeBron calls you got to think like okay Daniel at least listen he shoots for the moon and you know if if Anthony Davis at some point becomes available if he turns down the mega max then that conversation will happen so there are options to go out and try to get that guy and and get that MVP type candidate, but they don't have it on the roster right now. So that that's another interesting. Like, they have a starting five that is complete with, I think, if not all star level guys, at least pretty close. I think Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum will both be close, and the other three guys are all all stars. Um, and then, but it's it's the depth, and then they don't have quite that top end talent guy. So they yeah, I, th- I think their hope somehow. is that it's Tatum, that ultimately yeah. it's going to be Tatum. And it very well could be. It also could not be. Like, it's, you know, it's certainly possible that he won't become a superstar. Everyone's kind of pegging him as that now. Um, but I think that's certainly their hope. And then they can 
build a team around a guy like that who's literally 20 years old. You know, he just turned 23 months ago. <laughs> right, right. Well, and that to me, that's why, like, to me, the, the idea that they would not pay up for either of those guys in the future is crazy. Like, you look at where the league is going um, with with the premium that's placed on wing players and guys that like that that, that fit together, too, um, and can, can guard, you know, you know, I think Brown is better defensively than Tatum, but Tatum is fine. Um, and those guys are those guys are such premium assets on the wings that uh, absolutely I think you guys are spot on that, that they have to build their team around those guys going forward. And then it to me it becomes well, what happens with the other guys and that's where the Irving situation to me is really interesting because you know look I think we'd all agree that that was a a good risk for the Celtics to take at the time to trade for him. Um, and you know looking back on what they gave up they gave up a, a broken down Isaiah Thomas. Jay Crowder, who played much better in Utah, but just was not comfortable in Cleveland system, and what turned out to be the eighth pick in the draft, which, yeah, I mean, it'd be nice if they had the eighth pick, but, you know, the the opportunity to get Kyrie Irving is worth that. However, you know, you do hear rumblings, you know, you have heard rumblings consistently um, that uh, that Irving could look to leave in free agency in a year. Um, you know, the Knicks do keep coming up. Both L.A. teams could have money. Uh, you know, you guys even mentioned, like, the only reason you guys even talked to him the other day was because he's promoting a movie, and that, that's not to, that's not to say that Kyrie Irving is not interested in winning or anything. But he's clearly a guy that is interested in the spotlight. He's still going around talking about how the Earth is flat. Um, you know, he he likes the he likes attention. Um, so, I mean, d- does that do you think that the potential for him leaving might factor in at all to what Boston is doing, or do you think that the Celtics? would be more likely to just ride this out and say, look, if we can't convince him to stay, if we want him to, then, you know, so be it. And we'd rather just have a year of Kyrie Irving and try to win a championship than maybe get something for him now. You got this, Hemos Bach. Go ahead, my man. It was your turn, dude. Oh, my turn. I didn't even realize it was my turn. Yeah. Nice All job, right. Jay. We're just flying right along. It's not that hard. Nice <laughs> job, Jay. <laughs> my bad. My bad. We both answered the last one. I thought that was my turn. Uh you're both so you're out of your you're out of your mind. Just just go yeah. ahead and answer the question, Jay. <laughs> Here's the thing. From a Celtics perspective, if you build this roster, and it's a, obviously a great roster, and you get this coach who's universally respected, and you have front office stability, if you can't trust that a star player like that will want to play with you, and obviously there's going to be uncertainty with any free agent. Like that's that's just what it is. But if you, you can't trust in this situation, that Kyrie will will at least strongly consider staying in Boston and that there's a really good chance that you hold on to him even though he'll have other suitors and even though obviously he's shown that he is not beholden by he's he's not always held by you know conventional wisdom like he he left a team that reached three straight finals so there's obviously a flight risk but I, I do think they've put together a situation that that's really, really attractive to stars. And I think if you're them, you have to believe that, that you can, you can prove to Kyrie that he can't go anywhere else and, and find a better situation. Like he, when he requested a trade, he could have landed anywhere and he landed in really like a super fortunate situation where he was the guy for one of the East best teams. And I think I think he appreciates what they have there, but obviously um, he'll look other places, and he he's and not no, ready to commit yet. There are no like guarantees, like Jay was saying. But when they made that deal, like having people tell me the Celtics at that point, I'm making the trade, had not an assurance, like yeah, I'm going to resign, but like a pretty good sense that yes, this should be a long term thing, not that oh, we hope this works out, and sure, then we might leave him right away. 
Um, they but were but let me that when they... let me ask you this though, guys. Like, I'll I'll just ask you this, Adam. Like, you you kind of hit on it, Jay. Kyrie wanted to go be, have his own team, right? Like that that was really the nexus of what. Like, yeah, he wasn't sure about LeBron, and he wanted to go to a different situation. He also wanted to go to a team that would be his team, right? In a lot of ways, and like, I don't know, is that the case anymore in Boston? Like, yeah, it's hundred percent right now. It's still his team. Like, there's no. Even the players still defer to him. Yeah, like they that, that's what I was curious stuff. about. I didn't because, like, I would say from a fan standpoint, I would say fans are more excited about having Tatum on the team than Kyrie at this point, right? Yeah, Kyrie still Kyrie still moves the needle really more than anyone, and it's not. It's honestly, I don't even think it's even close yet. Wow, yeah, Tatum, interesting. I'm with Himmelsbach on this one, hundred percent. Interesting. That from an outside perspective, I wouldn't have guessed that. That's that's good to know. That's interesting. Yeah, everybody, even the younger players, are, they're, they all talk about how he's the leader. The, Terry Rozier finished up a great postseason and came out and said, you know, he he's our he's our guy, he's our starter. I'm not going to mess with that. Uh, yeah, he's he's very much the guy. Interesting. Now, why do you now why do you guys even so even from a fan standpoint? Because that that's the most thing that surprised me. Like I didn't like you look at the guys on that team. You know, Gordon Hayward, not exactly a huge personality. Uh, you know, Al Horford, not a huge personality. So the fact that the young guys gravitate to him doesn't surprise me. But I'm a little surprised that fans I don't I don't want to say would have like forgotten about Kyrie, but with the like with this with this the postseason that Tatum had and the run that they went on, yeah, I just would have felt like he would he had kind of become the favored son of all the, the fans there. I'm I'm interested he'll, he'll ascend like Tatum every you know whatever, every two weeks more people will more gravitate toward Jason Tatum as his right. career progresses a bit. Kyrie is still on a diff, kind of a different level of superstar, and a lot of it is really, if we're being honest, due to LeBron. You know, right? If they if he stayed on that Cavs team without LeBron and they never went to the finals, but Kyrie was on the biggest stage in the world for three straight years. He won a title in one of them, leading them at, like in a pretty important moment in those finals, and and fans see that and they view that as like this guy's a superstar. This is the guy who has a feature. Like Jason Tatum doesn't have a feature film coming out. <laughs> This summer, <laughs> Kyrie's just kind of on a different level, right? And I th- right. fans are wet. Like he, you know, he's got his signature, multiple signature shoes that more players wear than any other shoes. Like he, he's just a, he's a different level of superstar. Of course, maybe Tatum will get there, but he's still not. I don't even think it's even close to there yet to Kyrie's level in terms of fan interest. Posting Up is sponsored by Zeal. Want to know the only thing better than getting a massage? Getting a massage in the comfort of your own home. Introducing Zeal. Bring the spa to you and try Zeal today. Right now, go to zeal.com and enter promo code POSTINGUP to get $20 off your first in-home massage. That's promo code POSTINGUP. Now, here's here's a very big uh, non sequitur uh, that I just saw on Twitter. I'm just going to. You might read. have to define that for Jay, man. <laughs> yeah, can we get a definition on that one? Uh, you'll see. You'll see what I mean in a second, there, big fella. Uh, I, I'm going to read you this tweet from from one of your thousands of colleagues, Jay uh, John Krasinski uh, from Minnesota. Marvin Bagley, projected to be one of the top picks in the NBA draft next week is going to sign a five-year deal with Puma that is expected to be the largest rookie shoe deal since Kevin Durant, sources tell The Athletic. 
Puma is, is believed to be negotiating with other draft picks as well to jump into the NBA shoe game. Now, I am not the biggest shoe guy, but if you had told me that Puma was going to be Puma, like Maybe. launching into <laughs> the NBA shoe game, uh, I would never have guessed that if you gave me like a list of 10 brands to list. <laughs> I know it's a very random question, but it just completely threw me because it just popped at the top of my Twitter feed. Are there, uh, do you guys have any thoughts on that? I find that very odd and interesting. I'm not lying. I'm wearing Pumas right some... now. I'm a big Puma guy. I, I do know you like you're, them. You're wearing Puma shoes? Yeah, I'm wearing Puma shoes right I'm now. I'm wearing Puma sweat, sweatpants. Yeah, this is the this Man, is the Puma is, Puma, Puma clearly has the uh, the <laughs> early to mid 30-year-old sports writer just market on the lockdown. Yeah, Puma, uh, if you want an endorsement deal, me up too, man. No, I mean, that is stunning. It's like like and one or Dada from back in the day when Dada had Chris Webber, man. Remember Dada? Right. I don't remember Dada. <laughs> I'm glad you don't. Dada, was, Dada was, had some wild shoes. I think they had Chris Webber shoes. Yeah, that, that that yeah, I remember that. That is really that is really interesting to me because that all I can think of off the top of my head, you know, without having any background on it, is sure the NBA really has gotten so much more global and, and it's very intent on being global. And Puma is a bigger European company than it like that than you see more in the U.S. Yeah, um, totally related to that. I mean, it it just it's just really uh, it's just really interesting. Like I, I did not, you know, I wouldn't have thought they were going to make a leap into the NBA shoe game. I mean that. So it's like really that there it's been I mean it's been kind of a weird business right because you had Nike that has been you know Nike slash Jordan brand has been the dominant force for such a long time you had Under Armour make a brief run with Steph um, and that's receded a little bit particularly with KD coming to the Warriors and uh, staying with Nike instead of going to Under Armour when they offered him a gazillion dollars a few years ago um, so that's kind of fallen off the map and there's not really. You know, some of these China brands like Anta and Peak and stuff have gotten a couple people here and there, like KG and Dwayne Wade later in their career. And you know, Clay, I think, is probably the most prominent guy among, like, current stars. But, yeah, Puma, that's, uh, that's not, what, that's not what I expected. It, it really it, well, is. Listen, I'm glad, <laughs> I'm glad I taught you a new uh, – I'm glad I taught you a new word, big fella. I'm glad. I'm glad I taught you one. Um, well, well, now yeah. though, we'll get back to the Celtics for a couple minutes before we bounce out. So, um, now that we've gotten away from that, uh, with uh, with you got you mentioned earlier, Jay, uh, both both Marcus Smart and Aaron Maines being free agents, and you know this kind of dovetails with what I was talking about before with how expensive the Celtics could get. Um, what What do you think? I mean, I've had people around the league tell me that Marcus Smart is almost a lock to resign there for no other reason than in the short term. Uh, the Celtics have a weirdly constructed roster in that they have three guys, Kyrie, Horford, and Hayward, all making over $20 million. And then Jason Tatum is the fourth highest paid player on the team, making like six and a half. Um, so they can't really make trades very easily uh, with the roster they currently have. So a lot of people just think Marcus Smart's going to get matched unless it's a completely insane offer, just so they have salary balance and a trade for a big star, if nothing else. Um, but how do you how do you see, Jay, the market shaking out for both of those guys, and what do you think the chances are that both of them are back? Uh, I think with Smart, to an extent, it depends on money. Obviously, they're going to have I – th- I think they're going to have to make a decision between Marcus Smart and Terry Rozier because you cannot pay two backup guards in this landscape, given how expensive – the starting lineup is going to become at some point in the future. I think one thing to look at is the luxury tax this year. And, and 
And if the Celtics stay out of the luxury tax this year, they'll avoid repeater taxes down the road, and those add up. So staying out of the luxury tax one more year would be a big deal. Um, so, yeah, my guess would be that they do keep smart. My guess would be is that, that they try to keep Baines for $5.2 million or whatever it is the most that they can they can throw at him uh, um, with the non-bird rights. And, but we'll see. Uh, I, I think both those guys are happy in Boston. I think both those guys, their, their roles in Boston. Um, and I think both those guys appreciate the organization. But we'll see. A lot of it will come down money and Baines could get a bigger offer somewhere else smart all it takes is one team to drop an insane offer sheet and Boston's thinking could could change so we'll see with those guys but I, I do think Boston would don't the Nets kind of have to like just toss a huge one just to stick it to the Celtics don't the Nets have to just do that <laughs> it would be funny if they did but the Nets are in a weird spot because they've got a bunch of guards already so I don't I don't see, you know, I while Marcus. No, is I in, mean, I mean, knowing that the Celtics will match, just making them pay up. My favorite would be if Ryan McDonough did it to Ainge and was like, "Ha ha!" I'll <laughs> yeah, tell you, I think the I'll, Celtics are gonna, unless it's absurd, absurd. I think they're going. To I'll match. tell you what, that would be a team that I think he would make sense with a lot. Is Phoenix? Yeah. Like of the teams that have money, I think they really make a lot of sense, especially if they they draft. Uh, DeAndre Ayton is, I think, we mostly expect them to at this point, not Luka Doncic. Um, you know, we all know that Booker doesn't exactly play a ton of D at the two guard, um, but he also ran a lot more pick and rolls last year. He he was kind of handling the ball more. And if you have a guy like Smart next to him, all of a sudden, if you're playing, you know, Ayton's got to improve defensively, but you know, he at least has the size and skill to be a good defensive player. And you have him and Josh Jackson and Marcus Smart. Like all of a sudden, that's a team that. Um, you know, it can get into people and guard people more than it's been able to. And I, I like the fit with him and uh, I, I like the fit with him, him and, and Booker a lot. So I, I would be really curious to see um, if McDonough would do that. Cause they have talked about wanting to spend money this summer and they have a lot of money to burn. And if they, if they sign eight and the only thing they don't really have at that point is a point guard, they'll have a bunch of bigs. They'll have Jackson and Booker on the wing. They'll really need a guard. And that could be a situation where Marcus to go smart, go start somewhere. Um, and you know, you give him four for 60 or four for 64 or something. I think it'd be pretty hard at that point for the Celtics to match that off. I'm really curious. Like I'm, I'm curious to see how the rest of the NBA values Marcus smart. Cause Danny Ainge obviously loves him. Brad Stevens loves him maybe more than anyone for all the things that he does. And he just gushes about his defense and his hustle and just the Marcus smart plays that everyone talks about. But in the end, like he's a horrible shooter, you know, who's shooting really hasn't improved yet at all in his career. He's a great point. luxury to have on a great team, but how, yeah, how so much really is he helping a bad other team? Teams value, like the Celtics, other teams around the league, like just see that and say, yeah, we don't care that he's going to make 28% of his threes. We like this other stuff. Or if other teams <laughs> go like, all right, are we going to give pay this guy $15 million a year who, who values it and who doesn't? No, I think that's a great point because I, I don't know what – I don't know, like, if he does go to Phoenix, I like the fit, but I don't know, like, how much he really changes their trajectory, right? Because, like you said, like, if he's your sixth man on a good team and he could come in and wreak havoc defensively and play hard for 28 minutes a game and, 
you know, get rebounds and make some plays and, you know, throw up some bricks, that's one thing. If he is playing 38 minutes a game and he's your starting point guard, can he, like, expand his game and do some of that other stuff? Or is it just, like, 10 more minutes of kind of the same thing on a bad team where, you know, his flaws will hurt you a lot more? I mean, I I think he truly is one of the more interesting guys available because, like you said, he is probably, among these, like, rising – guys who are going to be in the market, Aaron Gordon and these guys, like there's nobody more polarizing than, than smart. Cause you'll either talk to people who will run through walls for him and think he's got a potential to be just a dynamite player. Or you, like you said, Adam, you look at, you look at, you look at his numbers and you go, this guy can't shoot a lick unless he's on a team like the Celtics where they've got shooting all over the place and a coach that really can maximize him. He's not really going to help us that much. Yeah. He, he really, he's fascinating. And I, I, I would be super intrigued to see him on a losing team. Like, well, the Phoenix thing I think would be really interesting. Like what, what would happen if he goes to a team and like, talk about a team that really needs a culture reset, right? Like a team that needs to learn how to play defense, um, all that stuff. I mean, he, he really feels like a guy that if he went there could really help, like from that standpoint, could help them a lot. But Jay's right. I'm curious the, on the other end, the, the, cause he like hates losing, he hates guys who like quit or give and like put him on like a, like a 22 win team and it's April 10th and there's like 10 games left and everyone else is just mailing it in and he's out there just like flying around for loose balls like driving him nuts that these games don't matter anymore that would be I mean of course the Celtics weren't that great when they drafted him um, but they never there was always a sense since Brad's been here that guys kind of never quit never gave up it's also a lot different to go from a for, it's also a lot different to go from a team that's winning you know, 55 games going to the game seven of the conference finals to a team yeah. that's, you know, winning 25 games. And like you said, done in mid-March too. Yeah. And, and he has a tendency, I think, to like try to shoot them back into the game when they fall behind sometimes. Like, <laughs> what, yeah. what if they're falling behind all the time? Does that, does that make him less effective? Does he bring a, an energy to a team that just it helps transform them? I would really be fascinated to see him on a losing team. I, I, I need it. Yeah, no, I think I think you're right. Uh, so before we go, uh, one 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 final question. Um, right, two, actually, two questions that you can both answer. Uh, one, give me a pick on who you think the pick will be next week out of the you know morass of guys that have been rumored around 27. And and is there a big trade this summer for the Celtics, or do you think that they largely stand pat? I'll start with we'll start with Adam, then we'll go to Jay, and then we'll be done. I'm going with my guy, Dante DiVincenzo, at 27. <laughs> he was he was here. He worked out. I know there were, there was uh, he he definitely had a meeting with Danny Ainge beyond just the regular workout. I spoke to some people at, at Villanova this week who said the Celtics were pretty high on him. He's a great quote too. He'd be good for you guys. We need that's all we need. Man. Yes, really, we're we're just in this for the quotes. We just so if that's I've never spoken to the guy before, um, so. I'm all in then if that's the case. Yeah. I, oh, you didn't get a chance to talk to him when he was there. I talked to him in, in Chicago at the pre-draft combine and he, he was great. I, I'm a big fan. Like he, he is a, he's a really interesting guy. And I, I think from that standpoint, I think you guys would be in good shape. And I like him as a player too. He, I had somebody compare him to Tyler Johnson for me, which I, I think is pretty interesting. And like, you got a guy who could play both guard spots, can shoot the ball, big physical guys, bigger than he looks. Uh, like I, I've seen Villanova in person. He's a pretty thick guy. Um, I think he'd be a pretty pretty good fit for what Boston's looking for. 
Now that now that I know he's a good quote, I'm gonna start overly hyping him up. <laughs> yeah. Now what, now what's the answer? What's the answer on the other question? If if do you think they make a big trade or do they? Uh, do you think they largely stand pat? I mean, you know, of course, you never know. I know you never know with like with Jay mentioned Kawhi. Like if, like if guys if superstars become available, the Celtics would be the first person to make calls about a superstar. Having said that, if I'm saying yes or no, I say no. Like they want to see what they have here. Like at this time last year, they didn't know what they had in Jason Tatum. Now they know. Uh, but they haven't had a season, and he's you know he's going to keep getting better. They haven't had a season with Gordon Hayward yet. They haven't had a playoff season with Kyrie Irving yet. I think they're really intrigued to see what they can do with this group, and less there's less urgency to kind of like try to swing for the fences right now. All right, what about you, Jay? I'm going with I'm going with my man Mitchell Robinson at at 27. I think the Celtics are in a spot where they could kind of take a swing and go for someone with some legitimate, serious, serious upside. Uh, so I'll, I'll throw Mitchell Robinson out there. Hopefully he's as good a quote as DiVincenzo, although I've seen some videos of him where I don't think he is. Um, and then, now you're already dogging him, man. He ain't going to be a good quote for the athletic, that's for sure. Yeah. What if he listens to the Washington Post podcast? I'm not, I'm not dogging him. I'm not dogging him. I'm just saying. He doesn't seem like the greatest. You're not. Quote you're yet. not dogging him. You're just dogging him. All right. What's your answer? What's your answer on question number two? I'm, I'm sure he'll turn it on during exclusives with the athletic. Uh, number two, <laughs> number two, I would say I would again lean toward no. Kind of like Himmelsbach said, at this time last year, the Celtics were very sure that they didn't have enough, and now I think they don't think they have enough to beat the Warriors. But I also think that if they 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 believe if they keep this team together, they have a small chance of of winning a title. Um, and obviously with the upside of Tatum and Brown developing into whatever they become and, and, and then the, the picks down the road. So I, there's, there's not nearly as much urgency as there was this time last year to make a big move. Now, obviously they, they could do anything. Um, but I would, I wouldn't be surprised if they make a move, but I don't, I would definitely lean toward no. All right. Well, there you go. That was that was a uh, we survived this podcast without too many uh, too many hiccups. So I appreciate it. All right, but real quick before we go, uh, just each of you uh, let people know where they can find you on Twitter and also uh, pump any stuff you guys got coming up in the next couple of days or even next week if you got stuff you can talk about ahead of time uh, heading into the draft. Go ahead, Adam. <laughs> I intentionally would just wait. I just wanted si- I just, just wanted to just offer a night just a nice silent period. <laughs> yeah, there we since go. We didn't shout each other down. I was ready to wait that out. I thought Jay might be with me on just like twenty seconds of pure silence. <laughs> that would uh, that uh, would have yeah, been a good idea. My bad. Adam Himmelsbach. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a long name. I don't need to spell it. Whatever. And uh, BostonGlobe.com <laughs> board says has all has all our uh, NBA draft coverage. I can't give away any secrets just yet. Uh, I'm sure. It'll be some fantastic draft coverage. You can find me at by J King on Twitter. Listen to the Locked On Celtics podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Ooh. wherever else you get your podcast. Yeah. There you go. And uh, find my stuff at the Athletic. I'll have some draft stuff coming out soon. I just, for some odd reason, went through all the Gordon Hayward tape um, with the Celtics to determine how they might utilize them next year. So please go read that. Subscribe to the Athletic. I would love you if you do. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I, I know you have to go, but seriously, all the Gordon Hayward tape, he played five minutes. Uh, preseason two, man. Oh, come on. He played five minutes. <laughs> preseason two. Get out of here. That's ridiculous. Yeah. 
<laughs> I, I totally agree. That's a desperate Long search for Long hashtag time. content right this, there. Uh, podcast. I was going to request that at some during the podcast, you said you called somebody a joke because you you call people jokes better than anybody I've ever met. And that was the opportunity <laughs> right there was to call Jay a joke. That was. Wow. You could have called me a joke. There were probably a lot of other t- opportunities to call me a joke as well. <laughs> well, you definitely are a joke for that one, but that's uh, that's not the it's not quite the way the Himmelsbach would have wanted. We'll do that next time. But all right, all right, fellas, I appreciate you doing this, and uh, I'll catch up with you both soon, hopefully. See you in Vegas. All right, thanks, yeah, see you in Vegas. Thank you. Thank you again to Adam and Jay for doing the podcast. Go follow both those guys if you don't already. They both do a great job covering the Celtics. They're good dudes, and they do a lot of good stuff, so be sure to check them out. As for me, you can find me on Twitter, at Tim Bontemps, on Facebook, at Tim Bontemps NBA, and the pages of the Washington Post are on our website at washingtonpost.com sports. Please give the podcast a five-star rating and review wherever you get it, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, Radio Public, TuneIn, etc., Uh, It really helps us out when you do that, so be sure to go find it and do that. Go find our other podcasts, whether it's Can He Do That, Letters from War. Um, There's a whole host of them at WashingtonPost.com slash podcast. Go go check out our stuff. Go find our podcasts. Go listen to them. They're all really good. Also, be sure to go check out our World Cup newsletter by my colleague and friend Scott Wilson. Scott's an awesome writer, does a great job normally covering national affairs for us. He's going to be covering the World Cup. Big soccer fan, really knows the sport, so definitely go check it out. I've gotten the first two editions. They're awesome. I think anybody who likes the sport at all really enjoy it. Uh, to do so, go to wapo.st slash World Cup. That's wapo.st slash World Cup. Thank you to Glenn Yoder and Western States for the theme music for the podcast. Glenn's the NBA editor at the Post. Big Mass fan. It's hoping for them to get a player he likes with the fifth pick next week, uh, but they do a great job with the band. Uh, I've seen them in person. They're really fun. A lot of people have commented they like the music on the podcast. If you do, go find their music online and support them. Once again, thank you to Jay and Adam for doing the pod, and we'll talk to you all again soon.